Sathi brings to you Conversations with Gentle Warriors, a series of our live Facebook sessions where caregivers share their caregiving journeys, now in a podcast format. To catch them live, follow our YouTube and Facebook pages. Shriya and I have never met in person. We've known each other virtually. We are a part of a virtual classroom. But uh, she's been been a caregiver to her father. And uh, she agreed to be a part of this conversation today. So uh, handing it over to Sriya. Sriya, our audience would like to know uh, more about you, please. Yeah, uh, my full name is Prasanna Sriya. I'm from Chennai. Uh, till 2017, I was a practicing uh, dentist. Then I thought I wanted to switch over. So I went on to do my clinical neuroscience and my area of interest being children at one end of the spectrum and the elderly. So it was all anything that, that could do with uh, neurology. So that was my passion, children and elderly. And uh, I think uh, we always say, you know, it's all predestined. I think destiny took me to do my neuroscience. So from there, I never knew what I started in 2017 would uh, play into action by end of 2019. The entire 2019, I saw a lot of uh, cancer cases that was happening and I lost about seven or eight near close friend of mine. And uh, by uh, 2019, uh, it came in as a root shock. Uh, my father was diagnosed with uh, multiple myeloma. I was clueless as to what the name even meant. Uh, but I kept my emotions apart. I think this is one of the best qualities that I can appreciate in myself. Uh, I bring in different personalities which I have and bring them to prominence and try to subdue the rest. So I didn't want to show the reaction of being shocked because that's not going to help. So I thought what's best and what's next that's to be done. And I didn't even know the name uh, of primary caregiver. So so all that I saw was, uh, I am a mother to a 21 year old and my father was the surrogate mother to him and it was my turn to do to my father. So this was how I saw it. It was more of gratitude and responsibility and nothing beyond. What a lovely thought as a daughter to be uh, able to take care of your parents. What a beautiful thought. Uh, Thank you for sharing this with us. But a diagnosis like cancer is not easy, especially when it happens to your uh, near ones and as near as your father. Uh, So Sriya, how was the experience of taking care of him? So we would like you to uh, take us through the caregiving journey. Definitely. I... uh right away jumped into it without giving the name as primary caregiver because my my mother is 72 and uh, she has been the iron lady behind me. Uh, She's thousand times uh, stronger uh, emotionally, uh, mentally, financially. The only aspect and spiritually, the only place where she would fumble is physical. She has no energy, physical energy. So I, I wanted to pardon that off for her so I told her I would take him in my wing, which means my parents are just about 10 minutes drive from where I live. I live in a place called Tirvanmur in Chennai and they live in a place called Indranagar, which is just 10 minutes drive. And I told my mother that soon after the discharge, he would come into my house. 
and uh, she could come and visit or even spend time so that entirely took the burden off from her mind and she could do what she wanted to do and uh, when i brought him home he was not even in a shape to walk he cooperated with me so there was no uh, need of a wheelchair or a stretcher or any such thing to be even had at home or a medical bed with multiple uh, what you have devices which you have no otherwise so my son's bedroom was made as my dad's room and uh, <clears throat> caregiving started from then because uh, he said uh, he would cooperate with me with respect to food so that's where it started uh, we all start with when you fall sick the inability to eat though he understood that he had cancer uh, he couldn't cognize it fully uh, meaning every two days he would ask what do i have which is one i realized that parallelly he is also having something else it was not just cancer that i'm going to deal with but i kept that part i used patiently answer and that it's something that is workable it is not curable it is treatable so i explain the terms of what is curable and what is treatable and if i go into the length you know he'll say you're a doctor i don't want to talk to you more <laughs> i'm i've left myself in your hands so that's the trust he had and because he had the trust things became easy i became uh, his nurse his cook his chauffeur and uh, uh multiple roles that i played which i would say he gave me an opportunity for me to realize that i am capable of doing all this which i was otherwise not i was not aware of this so it was an opportunity okay. right so um, when you got into the role of a primary caregiver for your father what were the dominant thoughts in your mind i mean as a as a daughter there must have been some thoughts that you had in your mind yes uh first uh, i should thank my aunt because when you become a primary care you always want the best so we chose to to our satisfaction the best doctor which means he was not from chennai he's from madurai and we didn't think of the covid so we got the best doctor he was very pleasing and my dad is a person who talks a lot i'm a person who talks very less so the match was perfect between the doctor and the patient the doctor never saw my father as a patient and he was surprised because the first visit which was on december 7th on his birthday uh the doctor said the next visit that i see you sir you should be walking and not coming in a wheelchair and uh, by january 2nd that's what happened january 7th of 2020 that's what happened my dad walked in to meet the oncologist and he shook hands firmly his way the army shake a short firm shake and he kept on asking do you have pain he said what do you mean by that i don't have any pain so he didn't go by my dad's words he made this physical examination as a doctor by checking the entire spinal bone because uh, multiple myeloma is supposed to hit that bone first and sure. he kept asking you have pain he said no i don't have any pain yeah and so uh, so ashriya uh, as a as a daughter to make the choice of finding who the right doctor must have weighed a lot on you because it's not easy because it's a decision that affects uh, the entire 
journey of a patient and also it has a huge uh, effect on the caregiver as well. Exactly. So, so that must have been a dilemma for you to pick the yes. right doctor, as I say. Yes. Yeah. So um, tell us more about uh, what happened sure. during the journey. Definitely. Because my primary caregiving was his uh, emotional health has to be good and his physical health has to be good. Because I know my dad can put up with a lot of pain and which means he'll never save even if he has pain. I'm a replica of him in this aspect. So he had just one wish and which we had started speaking of it in uh, September 2019, which was uh, visiting the Holy Land. So that was the bubble for my dad and me to keep him uh, motivated, which will happen only by 2020 May. So all the bookings were made and he was like this little child, no? Every day he will be looking forward and the itinerary was given and every day I would sit, make him sit. Uh, he, he can't sit for a long time. So he would recline in the divan and I would adjust my computer in a such a way and I would Google. He, he's not familiar with any, he's not tech savvy. So I would Google and show him the places. So one day it is one place. So I wouldn't strain him a lot, even in that, even when you want to give too much, no? It shouldn't become too much. So it is just one place and we would do it in depth. And it'll always be interactive, meaning I would want to know how much he knew about this place, which would be actually more than what the Google could say. I was pretty happy and content. And uh, he would ask for his meal. He would ask, what am I going to get for today? <laughs> really lovely. Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a good cook. So that was the next challenge. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Okay, but uh, Sriya, you know um, how beautifully you've described the relationship uh, with your dad and the responsibilities that you took. Uh, so, uh, well, with a, with a lot of positivity. But I'm sure it came uh, in with, the, with its own set of challenges because caregiving is never easy. So there must have been a point during the journey of caregiving when you felt uh, maybe inhibited or maybe uh, confused or in a dilemma to take a certain decision. Um, so can you share a little about that? Yeah. Even before I start that, my brother comes in every December. So my father had the family, my brother, my mother and myself with the only grandchild. So he had everything. So for him, no, he was strong. So as you said, the primary caregiver, what were my dilemmas? First thing, my brother leaving. I said, oh my God, he's leaving. <laughs> and uh, okay, because you need more of moral support than anything else. Then I thought, okay, he's not going far. WhatsApp is there, technology is there. We can still reach out to each other. All went superbly fine, which means I wouldn't even say I had any stress, any strain at all till COVID struck till the first lockdown came. And the lockdown actually brought about the changes, which I would say, uh, November, December, January, February, March. I didn't find uh, any physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, no pain, no strain. All went fine because I call myself as one man's army. I have an issue. I know which family member I need to pick to get the advice. Right. So as I chose the right doctor, which was from my dad's uh, cousin, who's an anesthetist. 
and for uh, my emotional well-being i have my mother's cousin's husband who's a dentist and my mentor who will uh, shape me up uh, spiritually and my mom's immediate sister so i have every family member and i would know at what time and at what situation i need to take their help which means i need to talk every day as i told you know i'm not a great speaker i'm more of texting more of writing i can't uh, bring out my emotions by uh, speaking so i'm very very silent very very quiet type even uh, to go live on this program i'm just doing it for my dad and for the other primary caregivers who would uh, feel morally boosted when they finish seeing this program and there was a lot of life in me to do it so there was a lot of positivity there was a lot of gratitude there was want of i want to give more to this person who helped me to raise my child how beautiful is that and thank you for sharing your experience with us riya but uh, you know i i also remember when we spoke you had mentioned about palliative intervention for your father yes. where did that thought come in your mind and what made you take that step towards uh, introducing palliative care into his treatment yeah thank you for asking this question so now came the confusion as i said once the lockdown happened the confusion started because his doctors in madurai so physically he couldn't see and right. i'm not a virtual person i need the doctor to see my father touch my father for the doctor to understand where his patient status is and as i saw the changes that happened during the lockdown uh first is cognitively he was functioning but i saw some mood swings i saw some mood swings which i had not seen prior in my dad so i didn't know whether it was the cancer which was bringing in these changes or the medication which were bringing in these changes or the combination or was this my dad so now you can understand the confusion which i was undergoing and i i had no one person to ask this question because everybody needs to see this person in person and not in virtual so i didn't ask for help that's the first mistake i did i should have asked for help and that help should have been from various fronts be it from my family and the doctors who i was consulting and uh, that's when i thought of palliative care all went fine even then uh, with the lockdown i had to do multiple trips for his uh, palliative radio therapy that's the first time i'm even hearing it i had to do this and it had to be done for 10 days and it's just a 5 minute uh, job for which i have to travel about a half an hour's uh, time which means it's about a 20 kilometer drive so driving was not hassle but was i subjecting him to something what he required or was i subjecting him to something what i wanted i was not clear yeah occurred to me i should take my uh, uncle who's a dentist his support so i went all the way to his house brought him to my house and we made our first visit to the doctors with my uncle so that he bees my eye apart from i seeing my dog father as a doctor as a daughter he was another third person who was going to witness one whole day what i am going through 
and he would be the voice for my mother who got uh, held up in Kodakanal because of the lockdown. She couldn't come. My brother couldn't come from the US. So he was the eye, what you call as a CCTV camera. Only thing CCTV you only see, but my, my uncle spoke on my behalf, telling the actuals what's happening in, on the ground to my mom as well as to my brother. So it made things easy for my dad to be transitioned from the home care to a palliative care. The last being, uh, we spent one whole day at Apollo uh, taking the patient's consent for a nasal field tube because he couldn't eat solid food anymore. All happened by May end. And I didn't know what to do. So June, we took him to Apollo and we introduced this nasal feed uh, and uh, by the time we could step out of uh, Apollo, he pulled out the nasal feed. Yes. So my dilemma of, was I doing the right thing? Am I doing this for my satisfaction or is this what my dad really wants? I don't want to subject my dad at any point of what he didn't want. To. That's when what you told, the palliative care stepped in at that point. And this is such a big dilemma for all the caregivers. Whether it is you are um, uh, pushing the patient or the loved one for your own personal reason because you don't want to give up on them, or uh, or at some point if you don't and you feel guilty later, so this is such a huge dilemma. I think all the caregivers uh, face. Thank you for sharing uh, that with us, Shreya. So what happened when you moved into a to the uh, you know old age home as you say because uh, a lot of time uh, uh, many caregivers feel guilty about just having that thought that you know moving uh, the, your loved one into a care home or maybe a under palliative care per se um, is shunning away your duties or washing your hands of your loved ones how uh, just uh, tell us a little bit about that because i think this message can affect a lot of caregivers out there. definitely because i was still confused and this was my third confusion because i knew by then i need respite because i've done everything and i was still not clear as to where i, I became directionless so i called the two doctors who i was very confident in apollo one dr mani and one dr uh, ramanan uh, one is the oncologist, one is the surgical oncologist. So I, I didn't know the meaning for respite. I didn't know the meaning for a hospice. I didn't know any of these. So I said, I think I'm going crazy. I'm becoming a little insane. and I'm losing clarity. Uh, because by the time we came home, he pulled out the uh, nasal feet. What am I supposed to do? Because he's having dysphagia. He can't even drink water. Yes. What am I supposed to do? Then Dr. Ramanan said, we understand this. Our team runs a respite in VHS. It's called Volunteer Health Service. You could come, take a look. If you know any uh, palliative care near your house, which you are confident about, you could look for. So I started Googling, but this I did in March. So I already uh, shortlisted one, which was just five minutes from where I live. And uh, again, they say, no, destiny of fate. The chief person, the chief doctor, had seen my father and myself eight years ago, Dr. Jagadish. So things started falling in place much, much faster. And again, it was destiny because my dad 
popped the best of his life in those two weeks. June, uh, June 26th, I admitted him and telling all these, including his mood swings, including his undiagnosed dementia or Alzheimer's, and the last, not the least, is dysphagia. And I had a surprise because day three, I'm getting a call from the palliative care telling, ma'am, I think you made a mistake. They had, there were five nurses. They said, ma'am, I think there's a mistake. Your dad is eating. I had a shock that he's eating salted. He's having curd rice. He's having rasam rice. And uh, all his three full meals, he's having the solid meals. And I, I thought that, that was the first time I felt happy in my life. And that happiness was like when I delivered my child. You can equate my happiness to that. I felt I've done some good. How beautiful is that, uh, Shreya? He stopped eating in my house. For almost one month, I kept him only on liquid food, food of various formulas, asking from various other people who were primary caregivers for their mother or father. So I took inputs from such people because he stopped eating solid. I started giving him liquid food. And even when that stopped, so I think this was a blessing in disguise, a palliative uh, care. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. And also towards the end of life, uh, being there, I think made the journey, the transition into the next day easier. Would you agree on that, Sri? I would uh, absolutely agree in two points because it just didn't suffice him alone. For me, uh, because of COVID, I was handling everything alone. For me, uh, I could handle everything but not death. I was not prepared. Not the physical absence. I didn't know how I would react. I didn't even know what I would be, in what shape I would be when I need to take care of my son too. I have a family. And again, our family, all of us were split. And my son was fortunate enough that I would say, I am fortunate that my son was there with me during that time period. He was my shield. And uh, how would help my father was, as I said, uh, I admitted him on June 26th, July 24th, he passed away. But the initial two weeks were his peak of life where he said, I'm fit enough. I would like to be discharged from here. When are you taking me back home? <laughs> this gives me goosebumps. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so emotional with the joy of father, God being there. Yeah. I think um, he would have gone a happy man. I mean, I'm, I'm all goosebumpy when I speak <laughs> of it because uh, to be suffering when you know the end is near, um, the least we can do for our loved ones also yeah. to give them, give them that, provide them that support because sometimes as caregivers, though we do love them a lot, we are not equipped. I would say we're not equipped and emotionally also. Yes. So uh, thanks for sharing that because a lot of caregivers, I think, would uh, take away a big positive from this story. I also want to know, what did you do to de-stress? It's not been easy. I mean, you've laughed through the entire conversation, but it does take a toll. And when it's somebody as close as your parents, it does take a toll uh, emotionally. What did you do to... Uh, de-stress would be uh, again uh, as I said my shield was my son and he was a common intersection intersecting factor for my father as well as me I would uh, my father will always say 
uh, Lord Yama would not take me because my life is not with me. My life force is within your son. So he'll be fooled. When he comes to take me off, he'll only take the physical form. My, I'm living in your son. And uh, how we would entertain ourselves as a family is, uh, we would watch the COVID news and uh, we would uh, watch uh, of uh, Donald Trump, if you want to laugh. And we will watch all our 80s and 70s show, Lucy show, and all the old ones. Uh, are you being served? And if he want, he's so smart. If he wants to operate the television, he would call my son and he'll say, come now, we'll have food together. So my son would immediately come. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. We will have all three meals, three of us in front of TV, going back to Lucy show time. And that was a great uh, de-stressor. And uh, personally for me, uh, I had a de-stressor. Uh, it was through a 17 or 16 year old child. I should mention, her name is Mirnalni. Uh, her pet name is Malu. And uh, if she and I call, it'll be just nonsensical talk. And that kid has great sense of uh, what you call the presence of mind, what you call as being witty. So how much ever I'm stressed, this child is like my own child. And uh, she would sense it. She would call. She'll talk to my dad. Because they had a grandfather, granddaughter. My, my dad wanted her a granddaughter. And she filled in that space too. So we have known them for seven years. And I think she felt she uh, fit the granddaughter's slot no, during the COVID time. And she would make him laugh. She would make him humorous. So it, it, it fit in everything. Yeah, so I guess COVID also, uh, you know, uh, caused a lot of disruptions in our lives. And, yes, and because you couldn't reach out to your family, uh, because that had... was the that was the only frustrating part that I had, which was you made me help to realize that too. My fa my brother and my mother not being at the scene was that was the frustration. Otherwise, no. As I said, physically, emotionally, financially, I never felt any strain. But what joy or whatever that I was undergoing, I wanted them to be part and they couldn't be a part. And that frustrated me a lot. And you helped me to unlock that aspect too. I was happy to talk to you, uh, Sriya. So as we are nearing the end of our talk, I have two things that I want to ask you. First is, you've already shared some you know, anecdotes from uh, the journey. Anything specific that you would, would want to talk yes, about your yes, father? Yes, and yes. And lastly, as we close, the message that you would like to give up out to all caregivers. Definitely. So the first anecdote I would come to is, as I said, ignorance is bliss. No, He didn't know what he was suffering from. And uh, he would want ice creams. He would want chocolate. And everything would be rationed and given. And he doesn't like it to be rationed. So what I would... The curtain part is an open kitchen. The day I found that he night walks. So he, every day night from 12 to 1 is his walking time. And no lights should be switched on. He would use the moonlight which seeps into the house. For me, it will be... Uh, my, my heart will be literally throbbing, hitting the chest because <laughs> even if one fracture, that's it, you're doomed. Right. He would clearly go to the fridge, he'll open it, he'll sneak out the ice cream, he'll serve it himself, he'll eat, he'll be content, he'll go back and sleep. Till I caught him one day and then I started keeping barricades. And 8.30 is our bedtime, whatever it is, no? 
we had discipline in our house. Eight thirty, everyone should sleep. Everyone goes to their bed, whether they sleep or not is their lookout. So he was a very very cooperative person, a very disciplined person, and this helped me. And I used to keep barricades. I used to keep my sofas, my chairs, so that he can't make it a through passage to the kitchen. And he would sit and he would challenge me. Even my mother couldn't uh, bear with my uh, naughtiness when I was a five year, six year. You're just my daughter. See what happens tonight. <laughs> It'd be like a thriller movie, no? <laughs> and, I would. Yeah, I would never these, forget that. Yeah, and these are the happy memories uh, that stay with us and make yes. us laugh because yes. the loss can never be filled. But these are yes. the happy memories which yes. uh, live with us uh, all through yeah. our life. And the message that you would like yeah. to give. Yeah, the takeaway is, as I said, I am a person who is good in writing, not in speaking. So I would my my son's childhood friend's mother. She came in, all without asking. Then I knew, okay, if people are helping me without asking, what amount of help I would have got during the COVID time with asking. So I I learned I should communicate. I should learn to reach out for help, and I should be able to say, this is all I can do. This is all I can stretch. I have my limitations. I can't run without being recharged, which means. the baton has to be handed over somebody from the family should come in as a filler to do be it a 9 to 5 or a some respite has to be given for the primary caregiver at least even if it's a one hour two hour which they actually long for and look for but they don't know to ask for so now i know to ask for it so the message would be self preservation yes helps heal right yes, so absolutely for all the caregivers right yes. thank you so much riya for being here on caregiver sathi and thank sharing you. your experience uh, we had goosebumps we had moments where we laughed and uh, i'm sure all the caregivers listening to this conversation have a lot of takeaways to uh, carry with them thanks uh, riya and we'll thank stay you. connected bye bye riya all the very thank best thank you thank you if you can identify with this story please share it with others who care for someone and help them share too the feeling of being understood not being alone and access to support is what keeps caregivers going what part of this story connected with you do you have a story to share do let us know